And welcome to Gleaming and Geek, the uh, Cornucopia episode. We've just got all kinds of stuff to talk about, Mr. Gleaming. We P- always do. Pictures leaving, TV changes, winter meetings. Yeah. Just a lot, lot on our plate today. Who are you? I am John Bonus of TwinsDaily.com. With me, Aaron Gleeman. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> I just wanted to see if you would jump in. That's part of your no. contractual obligation. This is what your job is. You're the opening host. Aaron Gleeman of The Athletic. It's amazing. We, dis- it? we discovered on the Patreon last week that now uh, Aaron is. I'm contra- I, not yet. Aaron, you're not because Aaron. When Aaron signs his contract if, with the Athletic, if, 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 if he signs his contract with the Athletic, I am contractually obligated to introduce him as of the Athletic for every uh, yeah you get every a, podcast. You get a percentage. I don't think I do. Point no. <laughs> oh. I don't think that was spelled out in the contract. No, you don't have to now though. Technically, so take that right. back. <laughs> Should we just be in the new contract? Uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. We were going to um, very coyly, or I was going to very coyly hint at uh, news that of uh, Dick Bramer's replacement being announced today, uh, and then the twins. Uh, <laughs> then got, they, it, they were like, "Go ahead." Star Tribune ran with it. Yeah, sure <laughs> broke the seal. Uh, it's going to be uh, as we suspected, Corey Provis. Uh, we talked a lot about. We haven't really talked about this much the last few weeks. We talked a lot about when Bramer was when there. the actual news of Bramer leaving. Uh, leaving the booth, which was I don't know what three four weeks ago something yeah. like that. And at the time, what we said kind of played out, I guess. But my assumption was that it would be Provis because he's been, in my opinion, doing a great job on the radio side. And while radio and TV obviously are a little bit different. In some ways, a lot different. Uh, you know, he's been the play-by-play voice. He's uh, He does television play-by-play for college football, college basketball, and other stuff. I mean, I just think he's excellent at the job. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's also a very good guy, good, smart guy, all that stuff. But there's a lot of prep. He's yes. in a lot of things. Yes, he's always in the manager's right? meetings with us and stuff like that, which is something I appreciate. He, he does the legwork on it in addition to just, you know, having the pipes and being a, <laughs> a pro announcer and all that. Uh, you know... There was, I guess, some possibility that similar to what the Wolves did, right? They um, go outside the organization. That they had someone in mind who's the number two with another team or a minor league announcer or someone from another sport or whatever. But I never really got that sense. I kind of think they had this in mind the whole time, and at least I think you agree with me. Like it, and we said this when Bramer exited a month ago. Uh, to me, this is just such a no-brainer, and. You know, regardless of what you think of Bramer and the job he did over the last 40 years, and regardless of what you think about the way his tenure came to an end, and I know that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, yep. and I don't think they did it brilliantly or anything, the Twins, uh, I'm hoping people give uh, Corey Provis kind of a clean slate here and judge him on his own merits as opposed to, well, I'm still upset that Dick Bramer's not there. And I, I, know I, mean, I, I think... <laughs> If anything, maybe that reaction might have helped them in sticking with Provis, right? Like Provis True. already is a a known presence. Nobody's going to be upset with Provis. Anybody who's listened to him on the radio knows how good right. he is already. He's already established a relationship with the fan base. Like that's the sort that's the easy sort of way to 
to uh, make an easy transition Agreed. from from that. And uh, it's not like he work to push Dick Bramer out. Right. No, exactly right. Like, yeah. There's none of that there. <laughs> Plotting. I mean, I, look, I, I, this is in like the high stakes funny. world of whatever, but it's like, yeah, I could see that happening yeah, on sure. some level. Right, yeah, I'm sure that's right. happened over the years. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, so I think Corey uh, will do a great job. I think people will come to appreciate, like I said, the, the preparation that he puts into it, kind of the... I don't know the the newer school approach he has, but I think he also, in terms of how he views and thinks about baseball and maybe some of the stats he drops in, won't be batting average, won't be errors. They might be some other stuff, which obviously I appreciate. I'm guessing a lot of the people who listen to this appreciate. But then I think it's a nice mix where, from like a broadcasting standpoint, or just like stylistically, how he actually sure. announces. Setting aside the content of what he's putting in there, he's super old school. Like right, he's yes. just a classic, you know, big voice announcer. Right, yeah, uh, and I think that's a good blend. Which obviously Bramer had a good voice too. Uh, and I also think, just in general, I, I don't know what they have planned on the analyst front. I'm assuming it will be the same core group. They said the rest going to be yeah. the same core group, basically. And so I think that'll be interesting too, because I, I do give a rotating group of yeah, yeah of Morno, Perkins, right. Smalley, right. etc. I give them some credit, and we've talked about this over the years, but for like Morno especially, and then of late Perkins and Plouffe even jumped into sure. the mix this past season. Uh, I give them some credit f- for kind of altering the way Bramer approached broadcast post uh, Burt Blylevin. And I had a lot of what I think were legitimate criticisms of the Twins broadcasts the later years of the Bramer Blylevin pairing. Yeah. And it, I felt it was just kind of stale, and I felt like they each knew what the other one was going to say at all times. They knew every story. I mean, they had been together for yes. decades. It had, been, it had grown stale, right. and so it, I, it had grown it fallen into a rut. Right. I would suggest, yeah. And so I think it. What I came to realize once Bly Levin was no longer the analyst, which would that happen four or five years ago, maybe something like that, something like that. Um. It, I don't. I'm trying to phrase this in a way that is not just derogatory towards Burt Blylevin, but it, I I realized at least in my mind that it was more Blylevin's doing than Bramer's doing. Now maybe it's possible that Bramer kind of had a eureka moment once uh, Blylevin left and said, "I'm or going Blylevin's to change." Role, role started getting diminished. Right. right? He started saying, "But know, in know. in my opinion, once Morno replaced Blylevin, it kind of." Uh, I don't know. It, it freshened the way that Bramer also approached the broadcast because he no longer could just be on autopilot right, right. and assume that Blylevin's going to say the same nine catchphrases and circle people and all that. And I feel like it 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 forced him to view things a little differently, set up his partner a little differently, maybe get into different discussions with Morno, who's obviously a recently retired player. Right. Perkins, Plouffe, same thing. And so I really thought that the broadcast improved dramatically. Which is not something I, I think is should be expected for years, you know, thirty five through forty of a, the same play by play guy. Right. So I give Bramer a lot of credit for that, but I also give Morno and the other analysts, even someone like Roy Smalley, who's been with both uh, kind of eras on the broadcast. But so that was that said. Now you're bringing in Provis to shake things up a little bit, obviously. But I think Provis, sort of stylistically or just yeah. the way they think, is going to be a more seamless fit with Morno. I can tell you, they already have a good relationship, sure, just behind the scenes, watching them BS with each other or whatever. So, 
don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I find Corey Provis to be both excellent at his job within that excellent in a way I appreciate, which is that he's a grinder, which is he just doesn't assume he's going to do good work. He actually goes out and does the good work, which is something I appreciate a lot. And then I also just find him to be maybe the most pleasant person I've ever met in my entire (laughs) life. Uh, He Every time he... well, you ain't even. You ain't even. At first glance, you would be at the top of the list, but I know. I know better. Six hundred some episodes yeah, later, you've been plummeting down the list. You're, you're like in others receiving votes territory at this point. Uh, you did not make the playoff ranking or whatever. For the, uh, but Corey, I hope he continues to do this. Every time Corey sees me for the past three years, in the, the first time he sees me each day at Target Field, he sings Aaron Gleeman to the tune of Willie Beeman from Any Given Sunday. Uh, And if people don't know that, you can YouTube it. Some of the lyrics are a little uh, juicy. Uh, But he sings that in the hallway, so I appreciate that. That's the easy way to get on my good set. So I don't know. I I know some people are still rubbed the wrong way about the way Bramer exited. I know just in general, and this to me is, is rightfully feel like no matter how he exited, good or bad, after 40 years, it just leaves kind of a hole in a lot of people's hearts that they've gotten used to sure. from Bramer. And I absolutely get all that. But I just hope give if you give Corey Provis a chance, I think Corey Provis can be a guy in 30 years where people are going like, oh, it's sad to see Corey Provis yeah. leave after 35 years in the booth or whatever. I think he can be a, a sort of the rightful heir. And honestly, the Twins, mostly on the radio side, but also Bramer now for the last 40 years, have had some incredible runs uh, as their lead announcer. I mean, yes, Carmelo, right. yeah, obviously, right. and John Gordon. And even Corey's been there for right. over a decade, yes, right. 12 years, 13 years, something like that. So uh, I'm uh, I'm excited about that. I'm, uh, I was hearing the same things you were, but I was a little surprised that they were going to uh, kind of maintain that continuity. Um, and I kind of wondered if that really would happen or if they would do a a bigger search, an outside search, something like that. One of the things that I think were slowly seeing in the Twins organization is just sort of um, some turnover at some long-held positions. You know, I mean, we, we started with Terry Ryan being sweet sure. and Terry Falvey and that whole thing changing. Right? That was that was one thing. Uh, you know, Bramer moving on is, is another thing. Uh, the the uh, ownership change. Right. Another thing, you know, Joe Polad coming in there for Jim. Uh, the another big change, change. right? Uh, they they just tried to do the rebranding right. of the, all the uniforms and stuff. Tried to go to with a different a different Twins logo, and I felt I was wondering if this would be following that route. I, I you know I mean Dave St. Peter's been around a long time. I don't know how much longer he's going to be doing that. I mean, there's a lot of we're kind of getting to the nexus point of a lot of change here over about a five or ten yeah. year period as one generation of twins caretakers, whether that tw- that caretaking is you know the president or the GM or the announcer or the brand or whatever, is kind of giving way to another generation of of uh, caretaking. And I wondered if that would be part if we would see a change in part because of that. Not to mention like you know Joe Polite clearly isn't afraid to make some big changes, whether it's the right. branding and such like that. You know. You know, does he go in a completely different direction uh, with with something like that? I mean, that also, TV broadcast. Now, that's not necessarily something they were trying to change, right? right? But it is something that uh, you know, for maybe that that's more being more driven by the switch from streaming to TV, uh, uh, or from from uh, TV to streaming. So I, I wasn't as sure that they would stick this way, but I'm. But I mean, I'll, I just feel like it's in, 
it's in safe hands with Corey Perlmutter. Right. That's kind of what I mean. I, when I come down to it, like, I just feel like. There are and, and, and we should also mention on the radio side. Yes, Chris Atterbury, who's been the uh, pregame and postgame host, but also the number two yeah, the sort fill of in, the, yep. the fill in backup uh, play by play guy, will be replacing Corey as the lead play by play guy, right. presumably uh, with Dan Gladden still as the lead Correct. analyst. Right. Well, presumably. Yeah. I don't know. They, have, they, they haven't said anything They about haven't that. said that yet. But I'm, I'm guessing that's the case. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think they're in good hands there, obviously, too. I mean, right. Chris Abra's been there forever. Right. Yes, I mean, I, right. Like, yeah. Right. Uh, and he's another uh, someone I, I, I definitely enjoy talking to. He knows, uh, other than the fact that he constantly brings up Stanford, much like Doe. <laughs> I really, it is amazing how quickly you find out. You know, people always joke... Uh, you know, how, how do you know if someone's vegan, they'll tell you or something like that? Like, <laughs> yeah. Same thing with Stanford. And maybe it's just these two particular Stanford yeah, maybe, graduates maybe, yeah. that I uh, yeah. hang, spend a lot of time yeah. with at the so. ballpark, but man, they let you know they're from Stanford. <laughs> yeah. And do you let them know that you're a non-graduate yeah. of the University of Minnesota? Hey, buddy, let me tell you, I flunked out of you know, the ninth best Big Ten school or whatever. Uh, so yes, uh, Chris Adderby replacing Provis. Provis moving to the TV side. Uh, yeah, I think all you said was uh, was correct. It's you can you can refresh things obviously by bringing in new blood or outside blood and right. i do think that was important in terms of like Falvey and Levine came from Cleveland and Texas right. and Baldelli came from Tampa Bay and all that stuff i do think after so many decades of promoting from within almost exclusively right uh on off the field in the in the front office on the business side all that stuff i mean that was a point of pride, and, and right, rightfully, yes, right. you know, Dave St. Peter will be like, well, I started in uh, ticket sales or whatever it is, and now <laughs> yeah, I run the yeah, team. Yeah, and so even Bill Smith, who was the GM for by a while. By the way, it was the Twins Pro Shop. He started by running the Twins oh, Pro Shop. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave him too much credit for the initial foot-in-the-door role. Uh, and I know, yeah, Bill Smith, maybe Bill Smith was a ticket sales or something <laughs> maybe, like that. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, although I would say that the point that the Twins got to at the end of the Terry Ryan regime where there had right. been no new yes. blood really at all. Uh, they were struggling on and off the field, I feel like, and I think it was needed. So now you're, you know, seven or eight years later, and you can still make that argument. And I think your points about how Joe Poe had viewed things and just in general is, is accurate. But you can but also I, create that same thing by changing roles as opposed – like to me, right. I'm sure they had some conversation of, uh, you know, whether before or after they decided – uh, Bramer was not going to continue for a 44 season. I'm sure there were conversations that extended sure. beyond Corey Provis. But to me, it's like, do we think we're going to get somebody better than Corey? Right. And that's a pretty, in my mind, and obviously in their mind too, that's a very high bar. Yeah, right. Now, are there announcers who have more experience on television than him for, for baseball? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so maybe they have a leg up. But just in terms of pure announcing ability and, you know, he's relatively young, which is key. He can hold this job for a long time. Uh, you're not. There aren't that many guys who are as good or better than him. And so, yeah, you could have brought in a totally new voice, but is that just change for change sake? And then also, do you then risk losing Corey Provis from the radio well, side? I, I, I thought about point? that too. I mean, the other thing is that there's so much up in the air with the TV situation right, right now. I wish right? we had like, more more input to <coughs> right. share on. Yeah, that we don't have any idea. I, I do of think what's it's going gonna to be sooner than later. Like, I don't think this is going to extend. Again, this is just me trying to poke and prod with talking to people. I don't think it's going to extend like into February uh, on the TV side, but it's not necessarily in their control fully. Like, right. I think the Twins would love to get whatever it's going to be in place. Right. 
uh, good, bad, middle, whatever. But some of it is like they do need to exhaust all options. They need to, right. you know, kind of play. Well, I mean, through the latest some of these is things. that they're back in conversations with Valley Sports right. North about so potentially doing. Something. And there was also Ken Rosenthal had an interesting article on the Athletic yesterday about some other teams that are being affected, and he mentioned Cleveland, the Cleveland Guardians, who. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago that they're already kind of shedding payroll or preparing for a under $100 million payroll, which by comparison, Twins fans are freaking out about probably like $130 million payroll <laughs> yeah, or higher. Right. Um, but he also included the Texas Rangers along with the Cleveland Guardians as the they two They had such an enormous amount of... Yes, although it was relatively near the end, but it was paying yeah. them... He, so what Rosenthal said was those are the two teams in the most jeopardy of having their contracts with Bally uh, eliminated or you know discarded in the bankruptcy filing because Bally now at the point is they can just sort of hit the eject button and right. say we're not paying that and you go well Texas Rangers I mean Dallas Fort Worth or whatever is a massive market obviously right. yeah. and they just literally won it's the like world the fifth series biggest market right yeah. so why would the Rangers be Fort in danger at all well they're getting as you said uh, as part of their, it was an over decade long contract that they signed, $110 million a year. Right, yeah. And for instance, Cleveland and also the Twins were getting roughly $55 million mm -hmm. a year. So the Twins deal expired. And it's unfortunate that the Twins. And the other, they, and the other deals that don't expire can essentially be expired right. because they filed for bankruptcy right. and that allows you to get out of those contracts. They can pick and right. choose and basically just say, which is. This is mind-numbing to me that this is the case, but I'm, I mean, I just don't know much about. I'm not. I'm no business mind. <laughs> where they can just go, yeah, we filed for bankruptcy. We can choose some of these to keep and yes, some of them not. It's like, right. well, what good was the contract then? Like, what anyway? But the twins, because their deal expired, they're getting bloodier as the first one through the door right. than most everyone else. And they're taking all the heat and criticism for, well, why are they lowering payroll after their only playoff win in 20 years and all that stuff? And I'm not saying that criticism is not justified. But all I'm saying is wait like eight months. They're going to have a whole bunch of other teams in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it yeah, might yeah. be like wait eight weeks and they're going to have teams in that boat. I mean, San Diego and Arizona have already, already in that experienced boat, right. that. They're yeah. now in the same boat as the Twins trying to right. figure out what's next for them. So that's three out of 30 teams in that spot. Uh, Ken Rosenthal pointed out Cleveland and Texas might at any time just have their deals dropped, right. in which case they're in the same spot. And with Cleveland, that means an even lower payroll than usual, which they've had very low payrolls for a long time now. And then with Texas, who have spent a ton of money over the last several years, you know, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Jacob deGrom, and have been linked to Shohei Otani this offseason, Rosenthal's article was like, well, they might still be able to spend that money, but they're sort of in this middle ground, which yeah. the Twins also find themselves in a slightly different version of. They don't know how it's going to play out. And so how can you spend, you know, $200 million in free agency or $500 million in free agency on Shohei Otani when you're either going to be getting $110 million for next season from local TV or, uh, you know, zero yeah, or, right. you know, $30 million or something like that. And so I would – the criticism of the Twins lowering payroll I think is not unjustified, but we try to lay it out so that at least people know kind of the logic behind it that doesn't explain away the, well, why don't billionaires just – pick up the slack <laughs> argument, which I totally see that. Um, and so they're uh, uh, I think we're very, very close to this bubble fully bursting. 
like I think it's already sort of burst, yeah. and there's like almost a delay to yeah, it. Right. Do you know what I mean? A like delayed fuse on this some thing of these is things, right. this thing burst, but there's like maybe one year where right. they can kind of uh, patch the holes as the water's coming yeah, through right. yeah. for the status quo. And I just I will be absolutely shocked if come this time next year. Uh, if more than half the teams well, still I, have a deal, I wonder. I wonder local if television. I wonder if we're not going to have, you know, the Twins and Diamondbacks and Padres, maybe a couple other teams, also try to patch something together for one year. That is, right. I think, sort of the thought process of going back to Bally Sports North and talking right. to them. Let's do because we've already we're already seeing it with the NBA and NHL who've extended basically one year uh, left yes. on their deal, right? Um, and saying, okay, that gives us another year, A, for us locally to get our act together, right, right. to see what the options are, because there just don't seem to be any options. I mean, they can get their stuff on TV. They just can't get paid for it, right? <laughs> right? Or right. they can potentially right. get paid, maxim, attempt to maximize right. or, or minimize the loss of revenue right. by going to a subscriber-only model and selling it as sort of a premium right. product, but then you minimize the eyes on right. it, basically. That's, that's and right. so those are their two choices. Right. So yeah, you kick the decision down the road, but also it also gives a chance for MLBAM, Major League Baseball Advanced Media, right, to try and handle this at a greater scale that will help, you know, ten teams right. or twelve teams or fifteen teams, right? You know, in like, terms of if, for instance, you know, right now if it's just the Padres, the Diamondbacks, and the Twins, you can't really approach any sort of national outlet, right, and say, hey, we got. Uh, we're you know, starting a new television. The number, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. we have the number 18, 22, <laughs> and uh, 24 media markets for you, baby. But like you said, a year from now, if everyone just sort of, you know, holds down the fort for a year and right. the twins re-up with Bally or just find the one-year solution locally or whatever, and, you know, Cleveland and Texas and some other teams like that just put off a decision for a year or convince Bally's to, to pay them for a full year, then maybe you hit this thing again next offseason and you have 10 teams under right. that umbrella. And right. then you could potentially go to Amazon or Apple TV or you could launch a, you know, separate version of MLB TV local where you're actually offering, you know, right. got some meat behind it. I don't know that that's going to be the case, but uh, yeah, the Twins, it's funny. when Like going back a year or two, the idea that their deal with Bally was expiring was, you know, in flux position and there's some risk associated with that it makes people nervous but it wasn't viewed as like oh that's a terrible thing well and then the bally's entire corporation collapsed (laughs) the whole business model collapsed and then it was like oh man the twins are in pretty good shape here because they're not stuck with bally's anymore they can just be free well then it turns out now you're the only free team along with the padres and, and diamondbacks now you're like well now what do we do because yes we're out here on our own our leverage is limited because right. we're just ourselves. And now there's the sense that a year from now or a month from now, there's going to be a whole another influx of teams in the same situation. Right. So it's like, well, do we wait I mean, this the, out? Do right. we try to join forces with them? Does MLB have much bigger plans that they might even say to the Twins, like, hold down the fort here. Don't do anything. Don't sign any 10-year deals anywhere because right. we're actually making a wide-scale changes to the right. whole product. And so – I don't know. The, the twin, it puts the twins in a very difficult situation. Yeah, I mean, for local TV, they've got to negotiate with one corporation, Comcast, right? right? It, very similar to the, what, 2006 year that they were trying to get launch Victory Sports, uh, you know, and... Earlier. Yeah, it, it, it was it, earlier it, it, than Because I know, because I was in college. Oh, yeah, the, the point is, they, 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 
you got to figure out some way. It, it's not just purely in the Twins' hands. They are dealing with a cable network that is ubiquitous right. throughout the Twin Cities, and they get to decide whether or not you get a channel or don't get a channel. Right. So. so that's where the TV side is. I'd love to be able to talk about both, but Provis is in. Twins' uh, overall situation is still in flux, but the... And the, the fact that they're going to soon have a lot of company in the and, sort of oh now what and the boat. fact that that TV revenue uh, is going away it may have uh, may co- cover uh, some of the neck other news that we're going to cover this week but first we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of our sponsors speaking of uh, meaty uh, meaty meaty topics uh, Grody Beef uh, we have we're talked gonna, about with. we're going with that <laughs> did I read your mind on that yes you were exactly gonna, right. oh, yeah that's, Grody that's Beef a long that's marriage. right <laughs> uh, you remember Grody Beef because we had a meat raffle. Yeah. Uh, to a the geek had a meat raffle at Grody Beef with, I don't know, hundreds of dollars worth of, of uh, yeah, beef. Yeah, with some they, crazy right? amount of steaks and everything. Uh, we've got, uh, you're going to hear about, about a little bit more about them this week and next because uh, it's the holiday season. And when you don't know what to, I tell you what, I'm going to buy my son in Japan. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy him Grody Beef and send it to Japan because that's a pain in the butt. Yeah. And they only deliver within the Twin Cities area, right? But uh, my son is going to be very excited to be getting steaks. Yeah. For uh, for Christmas. And you can uh, give that as well. They've got these great holiday beef packages. Uh, looking for something to give that person that's tough to buy for. Look no further than a Grody Beef holiday package. $75, $125, $175, options. Or create your own personalized combination. All holiday packages include assortment of steaks, roasts, and ground beef. They all come in a decorative box. It makes it easy to be given as a gift. And they will uh, they will find a time to deliver this box to you in time for your holiday celebration. Or, or you can just pick it up. It's a it's a farm in Minnesota. That's right. Yeah, I mean it's this is a family farm that's been around since eighteen fifty six. Nurse Strand, yeah, Nurse Strand, Minnesota yeah, since eighteen fifty six. Generation of uh, beef, and we I can tell you uh, they make. Really good steaks. Yeah, I, I, John is housing I, these I, I steaks. Haven't, I haven't told you this. On a daily basis. I haven't told you this. The fee that we're getting paid for this, my half is coming in steaks. Smart, <laughs> smart. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you're going to be making the money. I'm making. I'm getting steaks. John is. That's how much I like. This is their stuff. number one customer basically <laughs> at this point? So they don't offer shipping, but they will deliver to the metro area and always have on farm pickup available. You come to see where the food comes from. In fact, they'll deliver to any place within 70 miles of Faribault. Uh, that includes the Twin Cities metro area, Rochester, Mankato, Northern Iowa, and Western Wisconsin. Uh, check out Grody Beef. It's G-R-O-T-E. G-R-O-T-E Beef. B-E-E-F dot com. Grody Beef, one one word. And use the code word Gleeman, and you're going to get 20% off your holiday package. So, again, use that uh, code, code word Gleeman. Save yourself some money on the holiday package. Another uh, good place to go for some last-minute holiday ideas. Yeah. Or even not last-minute now. Uh, soda stick, mm. soda like Minnesota, soda stick code.com, or just Google soda stick. And any orders made by the 13th of December, they are guaranteeing uh, delivery for Christmas. That's right. So that's good for stocking stuffers. We always talk about soda stick. They're, they're sort of small batch, very creative. I don't want to say inside jokes, but like more insidery. It's not just right. a shirt with the team right. logo on and it. And more and more Anybody niche stuff. Like that. they've got a curling club t-shirt right now that's kind of going on. If you go out to their site, you're going to find stuff. They've got a great uh, deal on a beanie right now. I think that's the yeah, well supplies last. A free beanie if you spend 99 bucks or more. Right, which is great. And you can also use the promo code Gleeman for 15% off. Just go to sodastickco.com. That's soda like Minnesota or just Google soda stick. Correct. Okay, so the twins have officially lost 
Well, I don't want to say all three free agent pitchers because they also had uh, Tyler Malley and Dallas Keiko and uh, who, Dylan Floro and some other guys. Sure. But the three prominent uh, free agent pitchers right. have all signed very quickly. I mean, to, to all sign yeah, before the end right. of November is uh, a rarity. I mean, Pagan Pagan was one of one maybe three relievers that have come up with a you yeah, know, I mean, significant deal. Uh, there's only been like seven or eight right. signings. It's been a slow-moving free agent and market, and they're all coming three from the of Twins. Them are, yeah, That's three right. of them are the Twins. So... Sonny Gray gets a three-year, $75 million deal from the St. Louis Cardinals. Kent Maeda gets a two-year, $24 million deal from the Detroit Tigers. And then Emilio Pagan, the most recent one, gets a two-year, $16 million deal from the Cincinnati Reds. And the remarkable thing, uh, the, the Gray and Maeda deals are pretty much in line with what we've been talking about for the last month That's in right. terms of their market. I and, think, and, and we uh, we should just mention, we did discuss these in-depth. I don't know how in-depth we're going to go on this, but we did talk about them in-depth for like an hour Yes, uh, on the Patreon back on Tuesday with news pr- pretty much broke for both of them Sunday night right. Monday morning. So we did a, a Patreon on Tuesday where we did cover this for half and then the mailbag for half and really dove into you know Patreon's, the reaction and so on. Patreon's a good holiday gift <laughs> that is a good for yourself yeah, yes that's for right. your loved one sure. for someone you hate it works all three ways like here you're my biggest <laughs> villain make you have to listen to the twins talk if you do sign up for it you can get the back archives free so you can just go sure. to, uh, totally ad free and you can just go listen to that so the so those two you know sunny gray what we've been talking about since like mid-season basically is you know a three or four year deal worth 20-something million a year. Right. And he ends up getting a three-year deal worth $25 million a year. It also has a fourth-year option. It's got right. deferred money. It's a little bit of a – it's an interesting deal. Uh, Kent Maeda, the, the thing we've talked about with him this whole time is kind of the the price point of like 10 to $15 million a year for a salary was very much expected. The only question with him was one-year deal versus two-year deal. And right. it's pretty clear – uh, you know, the Twins were, were interested in a reunion with him. I'm sure a half dozen other teams minimally were interested in Maeda that the Tigers basically just said, well, we'll step forward with a second year right. to get this done. And for Maeda, who's 36 years old and coming off uh, elbow surgery a year ago and has ju- is just now finishing what was an eight-year contract that he signed with the Dodgers in 2016 – Leaving Japan <laughs> right. as a you know completely untested. twenty four million dollars worth of guaranteed money over eight yes. years. <laughs> it's one of the right. more right. you know it's tough to blame Maeda or his agent because you know he didn't have a whole lot of leverage. He was ex- an excellent pitcher in Japan, but ten years ago or eight years ago, there was a lot more skepticism about Japanese players coming over. I mean, obviously, you had the previous wave with Ichiro and Matsui had changed the game there, but it's much more. There were concerns about his durability. Right, all that stuff. Because he wasn't, you know, a guy who threw 95 or whatever. But he signed a deal that was eight years and only $24 million or $25 million guaranteed, which is absurd. And it, it each year only guaranteed him $3.1 million as your base salary. And then he could earn up to like nine or $10 million in incentives that were tied to right. start, games started and innings pitched. Well, with the Dodgers... They, at the end of season, would move him to the bullpen to prepare him for a playoff role, and he was great in the playoff bullpen, but it cost him money because he wouldn't get as many starts and innings, and that played a part in him being traded to the Twins, and then just when he started to do that, his first season was the COVID season, so they only played 60 games, so they prorated the incentives and all that, and then then he blew out his elbow in the middle of the second season or at the end of the second season, so he has not earned 
I mean, he's, he's done fine for himself. I'm not saying the Maeda <laughs> family is, is hurting. <laughs> right, but, yeah. you know, he's been one but of them. This was a chance to cash in. Right. right. At, at age 36. And so to get a two-year deal, $12 million a year, I think it's 10 this year or 10 this season and then 14 in oh, 2025 right. or whatever. But, uh, you know, good for him. It's not – to me, the ex, my expectation, and hopefully we've made this clear on the show a billion times, from the moment they traded for Gray – my expectation, and I, I believe the Twins' plan was, you know, they traded Chase Petty for Sonny Gray right. in March of 2022, right before the 2022 season. And Chase Petty had been the number 26 pick in the draft that the summer previous, like six months earlier. And the plan was trade a late first-round pick, basically, for two seasons of Sonny Gray. Hopefully they're good, healthy seasons. Hopefully they're good enough that you can give him a qualifying right. offer. And then at the end of the second season, he'll be a free agent. You give him the qualifying offer. He rejects it. That's exactly what happened. And then you recoup, once he signs elsewhere, which he did with the Cardinals, a late first-round pick for it. Right. And so what it ended up being now is it's not the, this year's pick is not completely set in stone, but it'll be somewhere in the 30 to 35 range right. uh, as a compensatory pick. You end up basically trading – the number 26 pick in 2021 for the number, let's say, 33 pick in 2024 and two seasons of Sonny Gray. Right. That is an absolutely incredible trade that the Twins pulled off. Now, obviously, Chase Petty can go on and have a Hall of Fame career, and that will change the way that people look at this trade. But just in terms of like functionality sure. of what did you trade and what did you right. get, you traded a late first-round pick right. for a late first-round pick, moving and down two, six or seven spots, Gray, right. and two – Seasons of Sonny Gray, one of which was good and one of which was excellent. Cy Young caliber. Yes, yeah. runner up for yeah. the Cy Young. And so now that's separate from the notion of how much does losing him hurt the rotation, which is a lot. Should yeah, well, they have? And we will dive into like what what's next. Right. So now that's should one of the they have tried to match that offer and all that? But I mean, I will just say that at no point has the expectation been that they would re-sign Sonny Gray. Now, look, if he hit the open market and he was struggling to get a two-year deal at this sort of salary maybe right. in february or something they jump back in and say look we we bring you back but he clearly had absolutely no trouble getting a market it sounds like well, i mean there was discussion about whether or not they should trade him away at the trade deadline <laughs> well there was discussion i would tell people to think about right. who right. was doing that discussing but <laughs> yes. yes uh but i mean I, I think those same people are the ones saying well they should have re-signed him though no. <laughs> well that's sort of that's sort of the game for I those guess. type of discussions I right guess, yeah. um but yeah, so those two aren't surprises to me. You know, I think I would have given them coming into the offseason more chance of re, uh, much more chance of re-signing Maeda than Gray, and then g knowing the actual deals. Yeah. If you said Sonny Gray signed three years, seventy-five million, Kent Maeda signed two years, twenty-four million, which one of those was with the Twins? I certainly would have picked the Maeda deal. Sure, but it doesn't surprise me that they they didn't re-sign either of them. I think. You know, three years and seventy-five million for Sonny Gray is is fair value to me. I just the Twins. First of all, they've never spent twenty million total contract, not per year. Twenty million is the most they've ever given a free agent pitcher. And that was Michael Pineda on a two-year deal uh, to re-sign him, whatever it was, five years ago or whatever. So the idea that they're going to give seventy-five million to a free agent pitcher is fairly uh, unlikely to begin with. It's certainly not going to be a thirty-four-year-old guy coming off a career year, throwing his most innings in eight years or whatever. Uh, and then with Maeda, two years, twenty-four million is much more reasonable for any team, or you know, less risk-filled with any team. But he's thirty-six years old. You know, he threw a hundred innings last right. year. I, I, I don't know. I, it's it's not a surprise. On the other hand, 
the Pagan contract to me. <laughs> now, look, I, my feelings on Pagan, they changed because he had a really nice season. I give yes. him a ton of credit. We talked about that during the season, obviously. Yes. But you know, I wouldn't have brought him back for this season, and they did, and they got really good value out of him. Yes. Although I will note that he never really was given more than a medium leverage role. I think that was intentional. Right. Uh, but he did have a really nice season in sort of a secondary setup man role. Uh, and obviously made a fan. Any kind of various roles, too. Like sometimes yes. a little bit. You know, sometimes the durability innings, with so yeah, Pagan right, is never right, in question. I mean, right. he, he's one of the guys who shows up every day and says, I can pitch today. And Occasionally that, a high leverage spot. Right. Mostly low leverage spot. Occasionally long, you know, any eating type spot. Yes. You know. Back-to-back days, all that. Sure. I mean, I know they valued that a lot. But two years, $16 million, And also, I don't know why they needed to do this, but he had as a player option for the second year. <laughs> Which means if he somehow has a a great year and thinks right. he could get more than eight million next year, he ends up at the closer for yeah, the Reds. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, whatever right. he can opt out, and so it's only a two year, sixteen million dollar deal if he wants it to be. Otherwise, it can be a one year, eight million dollar deal, and he can yeah, leave. Right. Uh, to me, and given the Reds, like they're you know they're similar boat to the Twins in terms of typical spending, maybe even a little below a lot of times. This, I don't. I mean, this is I don't thing, get it. This is this is the thing we said about Pagano for the last two years, right? The underlying metrics on him look so good that you're like, oh, sure. we're going to outsmart everybody. This guy never has really pitched to his ability. We we, right. we take a look at those spin rates and the movement and all the. But other I'm not even saying he's he, there. I'm not even saying he's not. He's not worth making your, you know, being your biggest bullpen addition for a team that has aspirations of contending. Like to me, that's like, yeah, he pitched really well. He's got right, good right, stuff, yeah. all that. He wouldn't be at the top of my list, but obviously he's really good. I'm just saying, two years, sixteen million for a you know secondary setup man, maybe a setup man. That's like premium money in, in free agency. Like that is, I'm uh, not just for the Twins, but like, and also the Reds seem to have many, many more needs yeah. than you know the guy who pitches the seventh inning for them. Yeah, I have not spent a lot of time evaluating the relief market, you know, the free agent relief market because I didn't think the Twins were going to be <laughs> dabbling right. in it Also, I didn't give a damn. I mean, just the right? two-year component is right. relatively is he, rare. Is he one of the top five relievers on the market? I mean, man, I don't know. I'd put him in I, the same bucket as a dozen guys probably or something okay. like that. But, I mean, he's not one of the top three or four. Okay. It's like Josh Hader, those type of sure. guys. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always going to – that's the thing about the relief market. And it's why I don't get that upset that the Twins don't really jump into it. I do think they've made a mistake by not, you know, targeting one guy on a one-year deal in some of these right. off-seasons. But for the most part, it's just like pick a guy you kind of like and get him on a deal that doesn't hurt you. And obviously the Reds valued Pagan more than just a guy we kind of like. They must have had him number one on their, their target list to sign him to a two-year deal with a player option for $8 million a year before the end of November is right. basically telling you they – yeah. Really wanted Emilio Pagan. Uh, but I, I just. I mean, and you do see players at that side in this time of the year. That's another thing. Get, yeah. get, a, get a premium deal. You know, maybe it's, an extra year than they think they're going to get. It's or not a, a surprise more, right? if you look at Gray and Maeda and Pagan, you know, what you just said, which is the motivation to sign early. Right. If you're a player who's going to be in relatively high demand. Almost always is, wow, that guy got more than I thought he was going to get. If yeah. you signed before like, well, certainly before the end of November, but even before like mid-December or something like that, like before Christmas right. even, it's like, well, why did this guy sign? Well, he signed because they offered him, you know, right. 10%, 20% more than the, That's you know, right. the kind of projected right. or expected amount. That o- he was otherwise, get. the players, I mean, if they're good players, right? right. 
uh, take a look and say, listen, there's going to be more teams that want me than there are people like me, right? I'm going to wait for the people above me to sign, and that will leave three teams right. left over who didn't get, you know, Josh Hader and didn't get, you know, the various big names, and I'll have three guys, you know, three teams that are like, we're going to either get Pagan or we're getting somebody worse than Pagan, and then that's when I'll get my salary. I'll get paid, right? And so if you're going to sign early like that, like you, you, I think you like to compare it to like an eBay buy now option, right. something like that, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. Right? Yeah. And so it does, you know, team like the Cardinals who have made no no secret have been very public in sure. our pitching was a disaster. We're going to go out and add three <laughs> right. starting pitchers. Right. Well, you look what they did. They signed Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, and Sonny Gray, who are right. like three of the oldest, most experienced starting <laughs> yes, pitchers right. for a total of almost $50 million for next year. And they did it by the end of November. Right. Like, so, okay. And they $25 million a year is pretty good for Sonny Gray. Uh, Kent DeMaida, sort of same thing. Like, right. the Tigers, I'm guessing, were not Kent DeMaida's, you know, number one uh, destination that he would have loved. Sure. But they might have been the only team to step up with a fully guaranteed two-year deal for a 36-year-old with some arm problems. Right. Um, and obviously, I mean, I don't see... Uh, Pagan beaten two. I mean, I'm honestly shocked by that. Not, I'm not. I'm not trying to like <laughs> kick Pagan on his way out or anything. I did plenty of that, and he <laughs> proved me wrong this past season, very much so. Um, but a two-year deal for relievers, you just you don't see that much in ge- like in general. Right. I think the Twins have s- signed one reliever to a two-year deal ever, and it it was I believe almost exactly this price point. With Addison Reed, it was their first yeah, right. offseason yeah, at the right. home. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and it went very, very poorly. <laughs> yes, um, it did. I just, yeah, I don't know. I, are you, are you going to look back? I guess I would say, are you going to look back at the end of this offseason? Like, let's say in February, whatever. And line up all the relievers that signed. And is Pagan significantly better or uh, less risky or higher upside or however, right. whatever you value than a whole bunch of guys who signed one-year $7 million deals or one-year $10 million deals. And I just – it seems unlikely to me. But again, I'm going to be the low man on, on Emilio Pagan. <laughs> I will say like for his – obviously, he, he got paid. You t- if someone offers you this, you take it if sure. you're Emilio Pagan and his agent, especially with the player option. It's, I don't know. It's nutty. But that's a real bad ballpark for an extreme fly ball pitcher. Uh, right. Great American yep. ballpark in Cincinnati is one of the more – always has been one of the more uh, home run inflating ballparks – uh, and Emilio Pagan has changed a lot of things over the last year in terms of pitch mix and his grip on some off-speed stuff and cutter usage and all that. Uh, but he became he went from a flyball pitcher to an extreme flyball pitcher uh, this year. I think he only had like thirty percent ground balls, where the league average is like fifty percent. Right. Uh, you know, he's got one of the highest home run rates of all time as is, and hasn't necessarily pitched in. He pitched Target Field, San Diego, Tampa Bay, Oakland, and Seattle, I think, are the five spots. Those collectively are pretty good spots to be a fly ball pitcher. Now he's going to a spot that is a very bad spot to be a fly ball pitcher. So I don't know. That seems risky to me. But the Reds, uh, I don't know. I view the Reds as a smart front office like because I know of the backgrounds of some of the guys in decision-making positions. But their on-field product hasn't really been borne that out necessarily you know what i mean necessarily i mean they had a nice year last year for most of the year they were until the end yeah they didn't make the play i mean they didn't make the playoffs no. and uh, that's the nl central yes they have a good farm <laughs> they have a very good farm system uh okay so yeah it's because it's a lot of ex-twins <laughs> ex-twins in the farm system yeah they have half the twins old farm you're right no you're right about that uh 
Well, I mean, that's how the Twins got Sonny Gray also. Right. So, I did read something when Sonny Gray signed with the Cardinals. There was an article from one of the national reporters who said, uh, yeah, the Reds were in the mix for Sonny Gray, which that's very interesting. Yeah. To trade him away two years later, sign him. That's funny. I, that's one of the things about the, Reds the Sonny maybe Gray have contract. Money. I'm, I'm wondering, yeah, I'll be interested to see. I mean, apparently. There are a couple teams like that that are sort of on the rise, and I'm wondering just how much they're going to lean into it. The Reds are yeah. one of them. Baltimore Orioles are another one. Will well, yeah. they actually? To me, if the Orioles don't spend money now at this point, especially on pitching, it's. I mean, their fans have no interest in criticizing the team because right. they're going to be good now for a decade. They have incredible young talent through seven years of just outright tanking. They got number one picks, number two picks, and they, they've hit on almost all of them. I mean, just they probably have the best collection of young position player talent since the Astros, like, you know, at the early Correa days. Right. And so they're going to win. They're going to win for a long time. But they need pitching, and their payroll is like zero because all these guys are making the minimum salary. And I was surprised that the deadline they didn't go out and get more pitching help. Yeah, right. Um, and if they don't spend money now and they keep trotting out a $75 million payroll in a pretty big market in a tough right. division, it, it just seems like a... With as much high upside. Yeah, it seems like a missed opportunity. This all leads to where the Twins are going to go next, and that leads to the winter meetings. We're going to talk about that in a second, but first let's cover a couple more of our sponsors. Uh, Raycon, uh, Raycon Earbuds has been a um, supporter of Gleaming of the Geek for a long time, and they make... A great Christmas present. And it's also a Christmas present that's not going to bust your budget because the, they are fantastically well designed wireless earbuds that you wear, well engineered, do all the stuff that the more expensive brand stuff does. But they start out at, you know, a fraction of the price of some of those things. And then on top of that, we're going to give you a code here in a second for 15% off of even that. Um, if you go to buy Raycon, B-U-Y, like buying it, buy Raycon, that's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash Gleeman, you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So it's a perfect last minute gift uh, or even to ring in the new year. That's buyraycon.com slash Gleeman to get 15% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com. Yeah, they've racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. Easy free return options, offer free shipping, and buy now, pay later options. Again, buyraycon.com and then use that promo code Gleeman. Now, our last sponsor today, if you're uh, hopping on the, the Timberwolves bandwagon, yep. welcome. <laughs> I've been here for 40 years and we're mostly miserable, <laughs> but things are looking up. Sure. Uh, good way to get last minute tickets. Go to Target Center sure. with the the Game Time app. John has used it a ton to go I to Twins games. It. That's right. The beauty of it is their specialty is hard to find tickets, and it can be sporting events, shows, right. comedy, everything, right. and also last minute tickets. And you've right. put that to the test by you know <laughs> getting up from a bar stool several blocks from Target Field, and then. <laughs> opening the app while walking there, <laughs> right, and then yeah. by the time you get to you know gate thirty four or whatever yeah, you're right. walking into, you have the tickets on your phone. That's with the Game Time app. It's an app, not a website. So you just go to the Game Time app, you download it, you create an account, and then if you use the code Gleeman within the app, you get twenty dollars off your first purchase. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Just create an account, redeem the code Gleeman, G-L-E-E-M-A-N, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, just to finish up on the three pitchers, because, you know, we'll never... They're banned from being talked about on the show. Once you leave us, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, buddy. Um, let's see. I had one other... Oh, so in terms of replacing them... Right. Now... 
It's tricky because I think particularly in Gray's case, even if Gray were still here, the odds of Gray himself replicating, replicating or right. replacing his 2023 performance were minimal. Right. He threw his most innings with his best ERA in eight years. Yeah. Uh, I also think it's interesting that at no point did anyone give the Twins any credit for getting a career year basically out of Sonny Gray at age 33 right. after years of durability issues. Um, yeah, I mean, he's always been a really good pitcher, but they kept him healthier than anybody has. They got him more innings than anyone ever has. It doesn't quite uh, jibe with this whole, oh, he hated playing for Rocco and they get quick hooks. It's like, pick one or the other. You can't have quick hooks and pitch your most innings in eight years. Second, t- finishing second in the AL Cy Young right. tends, tends to smooth over any rough edges. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. But so how do you, I guess, how do you view, I mean, these three guys are leaving – they pitched almost 360 innings for the Twins last year, 325 ERA, somewhere between seven or eight wins above replacement, depending on which which version of wins above replacement you want to look at. That's a leaves a big hole in a 13-man pitching staff, basically. You're losing essentially a number one slash number two starter in gray. I would say a number three slash number four starter in Maeda and, like, like I said, a secondary setup man. Sure. Uh, obviously, the Reds are paying him just to be a setup man or maybe right. a closer. Who knows? But for for the Twins' purposes, and yet it's like, well, okay. Would you expect Sonny Gray to throw another 180 something innings with a sub three ERA? Well, no, no he doesn't really right. do that, especially at age 34. Would you expect Pagan to be the version we saw as opposed to yeah. the previous? I think a lot of people are weeping that Pagan has left the team. Sure, I get it. <laughs> right. um, and with Maeda. We talked about this on the Patreon. Maeda's overall numbers are like sort of mediocre, not only for this past season, but for right. his whole Twins career. They're like, okay, but nothing special. But the weird thing about the Maeda experience over four years with the Twins, he was either amazing right. for 2020. He right. finished runner-up for the Cy Young in the shortened right. season. And if, then at the end of this season, yep. he was great. Yep. Once he returned in like June, he had a 80-inning stretch where he had a three-something right. ERA, great strikeout numbers. Except then he missed all of 2022, and then in 2021 he was, you know, kind of not very good until it was revealed he was pitching through some elbow problems, right. and then shut it down. You never got a mediocre Maeda. Yeah. His overall stats were that of mid rotation veteran, except you but, never he was, got but he was that. never a mid rotation veteran. Top of the rotation right. or horrible slash injured. Yes, basically right. is right. the, the yeah. version you got of it. And so even trying to figure out well how do they replace that is is tricky. I also think. And this is just more of an oddity than some like substantial analysis attempt here. But the Twins were 14 and 18 in Gray's starts last season because they gave him zero run support. Yeah. And they were 10 and 10 in Maez's starts. So you went 24 and 28 when those guys were on the mound. Now, I'm not telling you that as any meaningful predictive value. Right. I'm not telling you you should use that as a way to downgrade how you thought of their performance. They have no ability to affect how the lineup supports them. Sure. All I'm saying is they didn't actually win that often. Right. The games with they won a lot of games last year, but they were below 500 with Gray on the mound yeah. and below 500 with the two of them on the mound. So again, it, it clouds the how do you replace them picture. You can say we have to replace a frontline starter, a mid-rotation starter, and a setup man, you can say you have to replace 360 innings of a 325 ERA, or you could say you have to replace what would likely have been a regressed version of Gray, right. a shakier version of Maeda, and who knows what you're getting from Pagan. And also, they had a losing record with those guys. I think it's it, it makes it very tricky 
to like wrap your hands around what do they actually need to do other than I think you can say in Dan Hayes wrote an article about Chris Paddock uh, yeah, that's what yesterday or whatever. Um, Paddock is going to re- replace one, one of, of them. them. <laughs> right. I kind of prefer to look at it as him replacing Maeda right. because Chris Paddock is coming back from Tommy John surgery, will probably be on some sort of workload limitation and also just has question marks in terms of dur- durability. Well, that's identical to the conversation we were having this time last right. year about Kenta Maeda, who actually hadn't even come back at that point. Maeda only threw 104 innings. Right. If healthy, Paddock will throw more than 104 innings. He might not be healthy, though. And so I think it's... But that's the easy one to replace. The tricky one to replace is Sonny Gray. But I'm just thinking in terms of, like, how do you fill that spot? I think Paddock for Maeda is pretty much, like, a little close to apples to apples there. Uh, And I don't... You know, will it be difficult to replace 104 innings of basically a league average ERA? Probably not. I think that's certainly within reason for a Chris Paddock projection. Replacing Pagan is more like eye of the beholder, right? Because it's like, well, yeah, you're going to replace 70 innings of a 290 ERA? Well, that's going to be tricky. That was really good. Or are you viewing it more, how do we replace our number four reliever? Right in the in the kind right. of pecking order yes. hierarchy. Right. Well, that I think they can potentially do. Sure. I mean, Brock Stewart is stepping into the <laughs> right. mix. Yes, right. They have more confidence in some of the guys we saw last season. If obviously if Louis Varlin ends up in the in the bullpen, he would be a sort of an apples to apples replacement there. The gray one though is there is no replacement. Right. You can, I mean, there's no replacement. Even gray wasn't a replacement. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. And so there's no replacing a Cy right. Young runner up. There's no replacing 185 innings of. I mean, there are there ERA. are five free agents probably uh, that are. Or maybe four, f- five free agents that are better than Sonny Gray out there, or that you'd say maybe, maybe they're probably going to get more money or a better deal than Sonny Gray. Uh, twins aren't getting any of them, right? Right. Uh, and in fact, they're probably getting worse than Kenta Maeda money is probably what they will hand out. They will not. Right. They will not give out a twenty-four million dollar contract to any of the pitchers that are on the yeah, free I mean, agent I would market. Be I don't think for sure. Uh, so, you know, either you're you are you know looking at the potential trade options for somebody that you, you know, similar to Pablo Lopez that you're trying to bring in somebody. And I think that's one of the things I'm most interested in seeing about in the winter meetings is that not so much are the twins going to trade for a a frontline starting pitcher uh, during the winter meetings, but what sort of rumors and uh, discussions are we hearing about, right. What is, what are they trying to target (laughs) basically? Like, are they, you know, I mean, I think it would, it's easy for people to be like, well, they should just do a Pablo Lopez trade again. Right. Well, that trade has worked out as well as it could possibly have worked out. Now, the, the sort of they had thought, to give up Luis Arise. Right, which, by the way... Uh, also worked out about as well as it could work they, out. A lot of people hated that, despised yeah, right. that trade yeah. the moment it happened. Right. And even months into it, despised that trade. And there are right. still people who are, wouldn't want to do that trade. But the, the kind of thought process behind it or the... Like stylistically, what you're trying to do with that trade is to identify a youngish veteran pitcher because Pablo Lopez is like 27, but he right. had three or four years in the majors at that point, who has had success, who has proven to be an above average starting pitcher, but hadn't broken out fully due to health reasons, due to workload reasons, due to just consistency of performance, and saying to yourself, we can trade for this guy. I'm not going to say pennies on the dollar because Luis Rise was a premium to pay, certainly. But we can trade for this guy at his current value, let's say, okay. or perceived value. And then we believe he has more value that we can unlock. 
I could absolutely see them attempting to do a, a version of that again. Now, they've attempted to do that in the past. I mean, that's what they tried to do with Tyler Malley, and they just never got a chance because he was hurt right away. They've tried to do that. I mean, for that matter, they kind of tried to do that with Sonny Gray and were successful. Right. They tried to do that with Joe Ryan from right. a prospect standpoint and were pretty successful. So that 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 MO for trade is absolutely one, and the Twins aren't alone in this. All teams would try to sure. do that. Right. Which is how can we trade for yeah, a the guy? The Twins have consistently done it. Like it's right. it's it's not just Gray. It's also Malley and Maeda and Odorizzi. And I mean, that, good that, they have a history of doing this, not just over the last couple of years. You know, Lopez and and uh, Gray being the the ones that are sitting in the front of our heads, but they've done this since they came on board in 2017. They've been doing. Well, this. I think part of it is by necessity. I mean, you can't whether in free agency with just money, they can't pay uh, right. market price for an ace or a number one right. starter because those guys get 150, 200 million dollars. I won't say they can't, but they won't. And even on the trade front, you can't necessarily try to trade for a guy who is already established as a, a number one starter and already a you know a frequent all star type of guy, right. a Saw Young candidate, because there isn't untapped value necessarily to get there. You're paying a premium either in money, prospect capital, player value, or some combination of it. So from the twins standpoint, they're kind of trying to say to themselves, how do we identify, let's say, a a B-grade starting pitcher. Good pitcher. Occasionally will look like an all-star, maybe has some injury issues, maybe doesn't. How do we trade B-grade value for that perceived B-grade pitcher and then turn him into an A-grade pitcher? And that's precisely what they did with Lopez. Now, doing that consistently from a front office standpoint, I mean, you do that more than a couple of times, you're going to go into a team hall of fame. Like, as a front office. And so... It's a little bit tricky, but I do think that would be more likely, certainly, as a way to replace Gray than trying to do it in free agency or trying to do it with in-house internal options. And so, yeah, as the winter meeting, so I'll be heading to Nashville Sunday. The winter meetings officially start Monday morning. They go through Wednesday. They used to go through Thursday. They go through Wednesday. Uh we we always get a lot of questions about like it, it, the winter meetings is one of those things that I feel like people writers or front office people they just talk about it as like oh yeah it's like you know you mention it like you mentioned the Super Bowl right. people are just supposed to know what it is right and then we get questions every day like what exactly is the winter like what <laughs> what even is this and right. I've gone to um, how many have I gone to four of them now this will be my fifth one uh, I went to two long long time ago uh, I can kind of walk you through what it is it's it ain't the super bowl i mean here's the thing like it's a it's a big event within the baseball world but i think a lot of it is sort of the remnant of face to the value of face-to-face meetings before current technology was right. in place i agree with you the the value of the the value of the winter meetings i mean the winter meetings are literally organizations getting get it together to talk through right. various administrate major league baseball administrative stuff that's that's what the winter that that is what the winter meetings are right where the value was is it was also an activity you know there's a lot of social time there's a lot of meeting somebody at the bar and there's uh you know running into them in the hallway and uh gossiping about uh about what you you know who you saw talking in the corner I mean, like that that you- that was the value of it for years and years and years, it was, it was your one chance to. Well, what would you think about this? Well, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like you know, to right. sit across from somebody, right? As opposed to doing it over the phone in a less formal setting. Mm-hmm. But now, 
when there's you know texting, texting and right. Zoom and Slack and who knows what else, right. just email or whatever. Right. The idea of oh, let's wait till we get to this hotel in Nashville. Right. And it was in San Diego last year. And we can really sit across from, you know, so-and-so right. team's GM, and we can hammer this out. Well, there's less uh, right. impeding you from well, hammering and, and it I mean, out. It also used to be a lot of, you know, a free agent would right. be making the rounds there because he knows all 30 teams are there. There's still right? some so of You'll definitely that, see right. guys. Absolutely. I mean, all the agents will be there. Scott Boris right. always holds court once. Uh, and it's always funny to me, and I saw this last year in person, for 364 days a year, all baseball writers mock Scott Boris for these the cheesy one-liners that he has and all the dumb right. analogies that he uses and all this stuff. And then he walks into the media room at the winter meetings and everyone realizes he's about to go have a scrum and answer questions. Everybody runs over there and puts their reporters <laughs> out and they right. eat it up yes, the same. That's uh, so that's a lot of what the winter meetings is. It's, it's front offices, agents players and then because they're there media right come along but then it's also like mlb network mlb radio will do live broadcasts from there there's also a trade show so you know places will pitch teams on new technology here's a new version of you know cameras you can set up to track this or here's a new you know whatever equipment and there's also a job fair which right, is people yes. try to get internships right. and people try to get front office jobs or people try to get even, you know, coaching jobs. It's MLB Comic-Con. It really is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's right, in the right. Opry land. Uh, MLB off-season Comic-Con. This yeah, year, which I've never been there, but I'm told it's like the most massive uh, hotel ever, the Opry land <laughs> at, <laughs> in uh, Nashville. And so, yeah, it really is all that. And I think, obviously, we tend to focus on the wheeling and dealing part of it and the front office part of it. Sure. But that's just a fraction of it. I mean... The twins have so many staffers there because, like you said, they're having their own like sort of internal meetings there right, because right. it's a good excuse to get or together. External meetings, right? Well, yeah, right. right. And so here's just a few things. Uh, so yeah, I'll be there Sunday. It starts Monday. It goes through Wednesday. Wednesday afternoon uh, is the Rule, Rule Five, 5 draft. draft. Yeah. So that's kind of the official end of it. It used to be on Thursday morning. Now it's Wednesday afternoon. Uh, obviously, if the twins make some moves during this or even a move during this, we will do an emergency podcast with sure, me from Nashville and John from here. Even if they don't or from John from Vegas or whatever. Yeah, right, whatever right, 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 right. John from whatever alley he's <laughs> slumped <laughs> over in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but even if they don't make a move, I think we're gonna try to do one uh it's just fun. Yes, right. Here I am yeah, live yeah. from Nashville. Yeah, whatever. that's right. Maybe yeah. I'll do it. We'll be doing a Patreon live from Nashville probably. It'd be funny right? to do it from yes. the hotel bar. Be fine by me. Just be like, who can I get to come over to this Zoom? <laughs> I love that idea. Here's Dan Hayes. <laughs> oh no, he's thrown up on my shoes. That's friggin' uh, Ken Rosenthal. Uh, again, I have a splash guard when I hang out with that. Uh, so yes, job fair, trade show. It's a lot of just networking. There's a lot of, to be honest, just sort of gossiping yeah, and rumor mongering. That is actually the biggest value of it. It's all the gossiping. A, right? a lot of the times, so there's a each team has like suites or a main suite. Obviously, they all have their own rooms and stuff. But there's like a twin suite and there's a tiger suite in this hotel or right. in every hotel. And so it's a way for agents to say, oh, yeah, 1030, I'm going to the twin suite. 1130, I'm going to the red suite. Right. 1230, I'm going to the Yankee suite. And it's also a way for the teams to have in 
in-person negotiations sure. or just kind of shoot ideas back and forth, you'll see Falvey go into another team's suite. You'll see, right. But then also media then usually once a day goes up to that suite and does an interview with the front office. Right. There's also media availability for like Baldelli speaking at, I don't know, four o'clock Monday afternoon or something like that. Right. And so, you know, we haven't talked to him for a month. You can go ask him about stuff. But a lot of it then is... There's a, always a media workroom, which is just a massive banquet hall, basically, right. in whatever hotel. And they just set up, you know, long tables, endless rows of long tables. <laughs> they give us a Wi-Fi password, right. and they let us plug in laptops. And we all sit in there, and what you see is at the front of the room is always a stage so that if there is a signing, right. they'll actually hold a press conference up there. They announce Hall of Fame stuff. They do other stuff like that. But a lot of it is just the click-clack of uh, laptops going on as you have a couple hundred writers in there filing stories or whatever. A lot of it is just the murmur of us talking to each sure. other. And then you'll just see when people are done with their story or they're just waiting for somebody to show up or they just have dead time, you just go out into the lobby of the hotel and you just look for people in baseball yeah. that you know or yeah. you want to know and you just say, what do you heard? You heard anything, you heard anything <laughs> on that? What yeah. did, hey, Boris say anything about this? <laughs> and that's really all it is. And sometimes you'll see teams go, you hear anything about uh, this? Right. Some, a yeah. lot of the times you'll hear writers say sure. that. So that's, for the most part, uh, sort of what it is. Let's see. There's uh, one other thing. I don't know. Less and less, It's it used to be like – well, it's been a slow off season, but wait until the winter meetings. That's where all the action happens. Right. It's not really the case no. anymore. I mean, there no, will be not. signings. Like last year, Trey Turner signed and Judge signed right. uh, during the winter meetings. But like, it's not, oh, there's going to be two dozen signings in these next three days now that everybody's here in right. place. Because again, there's less holding you back. Well, that is why what I'm interested in. Seeing. There are a couple different things I'm interested in seeing what comes out of the winter meetings. One is, do we see some actual movement in the trade, in, right. the, in the free agent market, right? We just haven't seen... Much in terms of the big names, Nola was basically the one big name that we've kind of seen go so far. Everything else has been sort of, you know, teams picking and choosing which guy further down the ladder they want to slightly overpay for, whether it's my Ada or Gibson or whatever, right? That's the one thing. The other one I'm interested in is like, you know, I think part of what is holding up the free agent market is there's enough high-end pitching that might be available on the trade market that teams are like, well, you know, uh, maybe I don't want to give a four-year deal or five-year deal to Blake Snell when you know I don't know what the Brewers are doing right now with Woodruff or whoever, right? And so Burns, they, you uh, mean. I mean Burns, yeah, Woodruff. Woodruff, Woodruff, Woodruff they Woodruff's know what they did. Arm fell <laughs> off. That's right. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, or Glasnow or whatever, right? And so yeah. it's um, you know, do we start hearing some teams talking about you know? potential trades do we find out you know which teams are interested and we're talking to the brewers about uh you know about acquiring some pitching and does that you know does that mean that as a result of that some of the free agent names end up going you know i'm i'm just looking for some sort of movement basically that's what it kind of comes that tends i mean there will be some trades and signings during this i mean it's just inevitable I mean, first of all, at this point in the offseason, any 96-hour period, sure. there's going to be a trade or sign. Probably. Like, other than right. Thanksgiving, Christmas, right. block. Right. But yeah, you get everybody in place with the agents there and some players there and all the front office people there. And they, you know, you just, you like to, it's like having a fantasy right. draft in person versus having a fantasy draft on ESPN.com right. or whatever. Like, it's just, there's a little more to it. But I do think a lot of the time, what you're talking about happens, which is you get like to the goal line. While you're there. Right. And then in the 10 days that follow, you skip them. You get right. into the end zone. Yeah. And it's like, well, we, we, 
we we did have a chance to talk nuts and bolts about a trade. We told them some guys we like. We told them the prospects we'd need. Blah, blah, blah. We talked about it in Nashville. Then we went home. We thought about it. We got back to them. Right. And we said, all right, now we're ready to make a deal. I think that it sort of greases the wheels for the next yeah. couple of weeks because then – the interesting part from a timing standpoint is this ends, you know, end of the first week in December. Right. And then come like December 20th, the whole thing just shuts down. The for, whole industry for shuts days, down right? yeah. through New Year's, yeah. I'm hoping. Um, nothing baseball writers like less than actual <laughs> moves from like December 20th to January 5th. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, and so, yeah, I think there's a, there's a tight window of like two or three weeks after the winter meetings where it's like, all right, now let's get a whole bunch of moves done. Then everybody will take a two-week break. Then it'll be the new year. And then it's almost like a slightly different phase of the offseason where it's it's not like right. leftovers, but it's more like, okay, now let's kind of let dust settle here. What's left? Who still needs to be traded? Well, that, the, that's, that. I mean, just the level of activity itself will be – is something I'm kind of monitoring. Like – are we going to get to the point where we're getting to, you know, like we have been in, you know, say 2018, 2019, where we get to January and we're like, why is nobody signed yet? Yeah, but you I know think, right? like, I, know I mean, it, it, that could, it, the potentially, it, it feels like things are moving slow you enough. You mean that league that wide, be, not just yeah, the Yeah, league wide, yes, yeah. yes. I don't, I don't think. With the, the Twins, the, the, you the, might the, get there. The, you know, I agree. That, that's why I was kind of interested in seeing what the overall level of activity is, because I think the Twins are coming in on the back end of whatever the level of activity is. Right? If, if, things, if things start happening here in December, the Twins are going to start being active in mid-January or beginning of January. Right. If things don't start happening until January, the Twins aren't going to be particularly active until we're going to have a scramble, you know, a, a, almost like a post-lockout scramble. Well, the, the Twins are very much counter-punchers in the offseason. Right. This offseason there. Without, without having a lot of money to spend, they are going to be— I think they're that in general. Well, I think that's, that's, well, I think that's a good point. They might not even that's be counterpunchers. They might be, right. let's let the guy punch himself out, and then we try to come in here and it could be. You're right. some shots. Right. But, and so, yeah, you need – I will say, though, like, it. I think there's been more money spent before the end of November than an average offseason, like hmm. an average normal offseason. I mean, there aren't uh, a lot maybe, of big maybe. moves. Yeah, right. I mean, right. the 100 million plus players don't usually sign. Yeah, right. Even I mean, just true. NOLA signing right. is, is fairly significant. Yeah. Um, now uh, he resigned, obviously, but even Sonny Gray, like those are the type of moves that don't happen until December, January, usually. Yeah, I mean, there just usually aren't. We talked. We said there's only seven or eight yeah. signings. That's honestly probably above average. It's not like a crazy amount or anything, a crazy number or anything. But uh, so yeah, that's the winter meetings. I'll be there. We'll react to any any twins related stuff or just whatever gossip I come across there or whatever. You know, we can talk about other big signings too. I remember the last year I walked in. And Trey Turner had just signed, and everybody was really annoyed <laughs> because, like, people were just arriving from the airport. And then Judge, famously John Heyman, if people remember, tweeted at, like, 4.30 oh, right. in the morning San yeah. Diego time from the winter meetings, obviously, from his hotel, I'm assuming. Uh, Arson Judge. Arson, not <laughs> right, Arson yeah. Judge is signing with the Giants. Right. And that woke everyone up. Right. Everyone was getting texts and calls from their editors. Poor uh, Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan and everybody else. <laughs> uh, and then by the time everybody actually like walked over to the hotel or walked down from their room at you know eight thirty a.m. Let's say that had already been walked back right uh, yes. by Heyman. Uh, and obviously, anybody who watched baseball knows Aaron Judge didn't sign with the San Francisco <laughs> right. Giants. Yeah. Uh, he signed with the Yankees. Now, whether or not they had some something in place there, and then I also remember we went out for uh, a 
to a pizza place with a bunch of the athletic people. I want to say the second night, maybe. And it's, you know, midnight and they were serving beer there and everything. Everybody's having a good time. And you start to hear that the phone's buzzing on the table and you go, oh, God. <laughs> and it was uh, the Padres had signed Xander Bogarts uh, for 200 right. and something million. Right. And I thought, oh, God. Because I thought it was going to be Korea news right. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, good. And then I look across at the two Red Sox beat writers and their editor, and they go, all right, see you guys later. <laughs> they just get up and have to walk back to the hotel and start start writing. So that's a lot of what the, the winter meetings is. So I, I don't expect the Twins to be super active at the same time. I don't either. It wouldn't shock me if they were to trade – you know, one of the veterans we talked about, Polanco, if, Kepler. If they're, if they're active, it's going to be a trade. Sure. Right? Um yeah, I think that's that's probably true. Uh, you know, Farmer, Polanco, Kepler, something like that. Vasquez, those are the right. veterans we talked about. Um, I don't know. I, they're in a they're in a weird spot for all the television related reasons we talked about. Not only the idea that they're going to lower payroll, but they don't quite know even how right. much or right. for how long they're going to have to lower payroll for. They're also. And, and, I mean, we talked a little bit on the Patreon about. You know, they're probably targeting sort of a one-year deal. You take a look right. at the the deals that they have and the length of contract and how long they have everybody under contract for in their rotation. They're probably looking at a one if they're if they're bringing on a signing a free agent pitcher. They're probably limiting themselves to one-year deals. Well, I don't expect that we're going to see those guys sign real quickly right yeah. now, as opposed to when you've still got you know Snell and Montgomery and a bunch of other you know. Uh, what's the guy from Eduardo Rodriguez? Rodriguez, right? Uh, not to mention, you know, the Japanese player coming over and Shoyotani. Like, there's there's just so many big names right. out there still. I don't expect a, for that to start until some of those other ones have kind of been cleared the yeah. decks. You know, I think that's probably right. But on the other hand, if you're a team who needs an infielder or you need an outfielder and Polanco and right, Kepler yeah, are, right. if not the be- better than every free agent option, there certainly would be one of the top two or three right. free agents at their position. And let's say you're a mid-market team or even a team yeah. that just doesn't want to give out a $75 million contract right. to, I don't know, T. Oscar Hernandez or something right. like that. There's not really that much reason to wait on a trade like that. And yeah, I don't I know that the Twins necessarily need to wait because the thing is, like, I know the, the payroll issue and the revenue issue is frustrating, but... I think even if they were maintaining their payroll in the, you know, 17 out of 30 range, you know, 155, 160 million or something like that, we'd still be talking about guys like Polanco, Farmer, Vasquez, Kepler as trade trade. scenarios because of their age and contract situation and just what the Twins have elsewhere in terms of minimum salary to young guys at those positions. And so does this make it more of a priority to move them? Does making... Yeah. Does it make the salary component more important than just the value and return component? Yeah. Does it mean they might trade three of those guys instead of one or two of those guys? Yeah, maybe. But in general, I mean, Polanco was going to be trade bait right. this offseason no matter what. Kepler has been trade bait, at least in my mind, for about three years. And, you right. know, same thing with Farmer, uh, all that stuff. So I don't know. There, it's a It's a tricky spot. I won't be shocked if they make a move or two during the winter meetings, but... I don't know. I mean, it, it it also pays a lot more to free up some money now than it does to free up some money in February when it's harder to spend said money. Yeah, although you know, I don't think they spend the money now anyway, though. 
Like if they were to trade Kepler or they were to right. trade Polanco or Vasquez, that frees up ten million. Right. What are they going to do with that money on you know December fifth? You know, I think they'll put it towards a free agent starting pitcher. I mean, I mean I'm not. A I don't hear a ten million dollar deal. They could I mean, do that now. I suppose that's basically. True. I just, I don't I don't think they're in a free agent uh, part of the free agent pool that really requires that much money. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, you just said yeah, you wouldn't true. expect them to go that's more fair. than one year. I mean, you You're could right. do that yeah, now. That's true. Because right. um, the thing about payroll is it, you can go over during the off season. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, you could sign a guy and have your payroll balloon to 150 sure. today right. and just know in the back of your head. I'm eventually going to trade Farmer for yeah, some prospects. We, we, trade, <laughs> right. yeah, we right. can trade a couple right. of these guys yeah. and, and make it even out from a you know spreadsheet standpoint. Uh, let's see. A couple other small things and then we'll... Uh, I'll get on a plane to Nashville. There I'll be a go. little early if I leave now. <laughs> I like the, you know me. I like the sure. Beer. Yeah, you like the that country music. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> get yourself to Kid Rock. Uh, I am very curious. Kid Rock I've never guy. been to Nashville. <laughs> People always say it's a really good place to go for little vacation and stuff. Okay. Uh, Becky's like uh, jealous. I think that I'm going. Really? I haven't been there since 1995. I'm sure it hasn't changed. I'm sure right. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't seem like my vibe necessarily. I don't know what my vibe is necessarily. My apartment is my vibe, so that's Minneapolis. But do you get yourself a cowboy hat or something like that? <laughs> no, no, I'll go shopping there for that. <laughs> See if Chris Paddock wants to take me cowboy hat shopping. Yeah, yeah, you big go. belt buckle. There you Imagine go. I had a big gleaming in the geek belt buckle. Oh. Yeah, that'd be pretty. You've got your marching orders, people. I would be worried. <laughs> and sometimes I say this to Becca when we go out. I say how do I look, you know, in my standard blue sweatshirt, <laughs> yeah, right. with, uh, gray pants or whatever? Do you, are you at all worried that too many women might come up to me? Yeah. And I, I really fear if I got that big belt Bill buckle, buckle sure. the and the, the, and the hat, buckle, yeah. I don't know. that I don't have security or anything. Sure. Do you know what I mean? They Maybe might. some chaps. <laughs> yeah. A little vest. Yeah. Me and just, oh, <laughs> A little man. leather vest. Well, now you make me, I'm almost <laughs> making myself sick thinking about this. Uh, let's see. A couple things. Uh, the twins re-signed. Giovanni Moran and Ronnie Henriquez, two minor league contracts. We kind of hinted at this, or more than hinted at it. Uh, They were cut loose on, what, the 17th or something like that of November from the 40-man roster. The plan, I think, all along was drop these guys from the 40-man roster, at which point they're free agents. They are free to go wherever, but the Twins' idea was we think we can get them re-signed to minor league deals. In the case of Moran, so minor league deal – well, why would why would they go through all that just to bring these guys back? Well, because a minor league deal means the player's not taking not up a spot on the forty man roster. Uh and so Henriquez is a guy they got from the Rangers in the Mitch Garver uh kind of Falefa trade. And they liked a lot. Uh you know, he was a starter then, but they kind of viewed him as a multi inning reliever. He's a you know, he got himself up the ladder twenty twenty two. Skinny, yeah. uh kind of slings the ball up there, but mid nineties. But he just had a really bad. I mean, he had some injuries in spring training, yes. some arm problems, and he kind just lost year. He never really got right. He pitched a lot at AAA. He just never a lot of too many walks, not enough strikeouts. The the right. stuff kind of came and went. Uh, he never got back to the majors, which was surprising because he pitched for the right. Twins in September, I think, last year yeah. or two years ago. Uh, and so they dropped him from the forty man roster and re-signed him to a standard minor league deal, which means he'll probably be back in St. Paul to begin the season, but without a 40-man roster spot. In Moran's case, he's pitched for the Twins like three years now. Right. Uh, struggled in the middle of last season to the point that they sent him down 
and then hurt his elbow. Continued to struggle and right. also hurt his elbow. Struggled right. even more at, right. at St. Paul. And they announced that he's having Tommy John surgery or might have already had Tommy John surgery. So he'll miss the entire 2024 season. So I haven't confirmed this, but I think this is the case. It'll be a two-year minor league, league deal, deal right. which is how they signed, let's say, Brock Stewart when he was coming back from Tommy John uh, from the – he wasn't Dodger. Blue Jays organization at that point. The idea is we'll give you some guaranteed money up front on a minor league deal. You're under our organizational umbrella, so we can help you from a medical standpoint and a rehab standpoint. And you're not going to pitch in 2024 if you're Moran. So that the first year of the minor league deal is essentially meaningless. But then what we get out of it by helping you through the rehab process is we get in 2025 if you're back right. to normal. And with Moran, from a service time standpoint, if he comes back in 2025 on the minor league contract and he pitches effectively and, let's say, gets added back to the 40-man roster and called up to the majors, well, then he's just a normal major leaguer at that point, and he's right. not even arbitration eligible yet. Right. So they would get another three or four years of control with him. So right. that's the hope with him. Obviously, Tommy John surgery, that nothing is guaranteed off that, but uh, especially for a guy who had control problems right. yeah. before that. Right. And the last thing I have down to mention is that uh, Maurer made his debut on the Hall of Fame ballot this year, first of a potential 10 years that he can be on the ballot. Uh, I have a lot of people asking, if I have a vote, I do not have a vote. I would theoretically have a vote six years from now. You need to, you have to have 10 years as a BBWAA member. Uh, they would not let me join the BBWAA my first year of covering <laughs> the Twins on a full-time basis. So that delayed. If Joe Mauer doesn't make the Hall of Fame six years from now or five years from now, <laughs> right. they, you can by one vote, you can blame that. Uh so, yeah, if I'm still here six years from now, I'll, I'll vote for Joe Maurer for the Hall of Fame. My hope is that he's already in at that point. And I think it's very early in the process. But so many of the ballots are public these days. And there are multiple places that, like, track right. the ballots. Right. Um, that you get a pretty good sense it's kind of like election night. Sure, like you, yeah, got, yeah. you know, 10% of precincts reporting. We know that right. this is the whatever. Right. You can kind of do the math on it a little bit. What I would say to watch out for with Maurer's candidacy, I don't expect him to be a first ballot Hall of, Hall of Famer. I'm not a real big believer in the importance of first ballot versus sure. anything, but there are enough people who do think there's a distinction there that Joe Maurer is not. Under that distinction, he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. Um, you know, that's the Mariano Rivera's and the Derek Jeter's and sure. other people who aren't Yankees that right. I could probably think of to mention. <laughs> right. Beltre might be this year. He's first time on the ballot. Sure. He might get yeah. in. I mean, he should. He, I would certainly vote for him. My thing is, the guy's either a Hall of Famer or not. The numbers don't change. It's not like 10 years from right. now. In the case of like Bly Levin, over the course of what used to be 15 years of eligibility, the perception changes because new numbers move to the forefront. Yes. At the beginning of, I mean, he was he was part of the sabermetric revolution, yes, which is ways, so right? funny yeah, that right. he despises the people who worked so hard to <laughs> yeah, get him into the Hall right. of Fame. Yeah. Uh, so, but what I will say to look for as you see some of the ballots uh, come in and get tracked, uh, I just look at you know, there's some. Twi I think his name is Ryan Thibodeau. Does a nice job tracking him. Uh, on Twitter, you can look up, but you need 75% to get in, so that's unlikely first year. Generally speaking, if a guy debuts in year one out of 10, used to be one out of 15, at even 30 or 
you're almost assured of getting in. Now, the barring that person doing something horrible off the field right. or barring what we saw in some past recent years right. is there was such a backlog of, of candidates yeah, right. because they refused to vote in anybody associated with the steroid era. And so you didn't vote in Clemens and Bonds and Manny right. Ramirez and you know Alex Rodriguez. And so then the sort of more marginal Hall of Fame candidates – just left the ballot because there wasn't an, enough vote. Like Johan right. was one and done, I think, or right. two and yeah, done. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And there were really good players like, you know, I don't know, Kenny Lofton. Right. I'm trying to think of some other players who should have spent 10 years, should have had their totals track up like kind of how we've seen and just didn't even get a foothold because there were so many guys that weren't getting voted right. in. That's not really the case now. And so I would say if Maurer gets – 40%, 30 or 40 per 35, 40% or higher, obviously. That's a pretty good signal that two or three years from now, let alone six or seven, eight years from now, he will eventually get in. And I think we've joked about this during his career. The perception of Joe Maurer is higher, like the perceived value or greatness of Joe Maurer, just like in general, Nationally. is higher outside of Minnesota right. than yes. it is in Minnesota. And yeah. I don't mean that there aren't many, many, many Minnesotans who think he should be a Hall of Famer and loved him as a player and all that, but they're counteracted or canceled out by a very loud, uh, annoying, I would say, minority, <laughs> but not a right. – it's a substantial minority who just thought Maurer could do no right. And, right. you know, well, bilateral – they're still talking about bilateral leg weakness <laughs> and the contract yep. and didn't hit for enough power. Whereas on a national level, there's some of that. I mean, obviously, he didn't have a flawless career. There were issues in his career, injury issues, sure. obviously. But on a national level, I've talked to so many people when he was playing and, and even now as the Hall of Fame discussions are going on around him who go, well, well, yeah, he, he won th three Your batting titles in MVP catcher. as a, as a <laughs> catcher, right? <laughs> Five gold gloves. Like, what are, we, what are we talking about? Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> right. And I personally, that is my belief as right. well. Right. But I'm glad to hear that. And I do think it could be eye-opening. Although, now that, as I say that, the same people who hate Joe Maurer aren't going to have their eyes open to much of anything no. in, in life or with Joe Maurer. <laughs> but it, it potentially could be eye-opening to see you know, oh, he immediately got 44% of the vote, right. and three years from now he was voted in. Right. And there are some people who are like, he shouldn't even be in the Twins Hall of Fame. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, I realize yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. extreme version. But yeah. so, yeah, that's kind of my hope with, with Maurer's candidacy is that it will start out not close to 75%, but closer to 75% than 0%. Right. And close enough that based on the previous sort of uh, cycle of these things, once you get near 40 50 percent early on and you don't have any baggage because joe mauer doesn't have no any, really any lot. baggage no. joe mauer has like anti-baggage <laughs> joe mauer has right. such little baggage that people are like annoyed that he doesn't have right. baggage. yeah he's the lightest traveler ever that's right <laughs> yeah only carries on <laughs> it's not, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like that it's the light joe light travel with joe mauer yeah, yeah. that you know you add five or ten percent a year and then the other thing is there's almost like a I don't want to say it's group think, but it's like once a guy gets to like 60%, right. people just go, all right, let him in. Go ahead. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Right, like if you right. can get to 60% on like year four, you will 100% get into the Hall of Fame because there's not enough. Right. No, People cease time and effort into keeping you out of the Hall of Fame at right, that point. Yeah. You just go, yeah, fine. All right. As long as you're not like, you know, Kurt Schilling or somebody like that. <laughs> 
uh, which I don't think Joe Maurer will, will probably be. Uh, okay, that's uh, all we got. We will be back next week with Patreon, Patreon side. Yeah. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash gleaming. We'd love to have you join us. I think for so November, the total cost of subscribing to our Patreon for November was four, four bucks. bucks. <laughs> that's what we're talking about during that's the right. offseason. Yeah, that's right. One episode a week. They cost a buck maybe, when they maybe. come out. Yeah, maybe one episode a week. Probably less in December, truth True. be told. And <laughs> if, we we, some if we don't put out an episode, you're not charged. You're right. only charged when we put out. And you get the entire back catalog of yeah. hundreds of episodes uh, for free. Uh, so uh, Otherwise... By the way, your next free episode is going to be something like a week from Wednesday. It's going to be a week and a half. Yeah. Oh, we will not be doing one next Friday because I'm going to be in Vegas and I'm not going to be screwing around with a, a podcast while we're doing that. I think we're going to be we're going to we're going to be doing a Patreon while he is at the winter meetings yes. uh, sometime middle of next week or end of middle or I guess probably the middle of next week. Uh, again, p a t r e o n dot com and uh, check us out. Check out the page. Thank you to Raycon. Game Time, Grody, Grody Beef, Beef, and Soda Stick. That's for right. being our Keep sponsors. them all in mind for your holiday gift giving. And uh, thanks. Look forward to the winter meetings and sharing news or non news. That's the right. winter <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.